For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with jeff burton donnie fandango and former blues defenseman jamie rivers it is another episode of the last minute blues podcast donnie fandango jeff burton from 1057 the point and what a tremendous we got a guest again this oh, week so great and and the and the guest situation here so far has been has been pretty solid so yeah. we're keeping that up yeah from uh, 101 espn voice of the st louis blues joey vitale joey what's going on man welcome boys i just been waiting for you to ask me i mean it took a little long <laughs> but i'm finally glad to be here i'm a little nervous this, well, is, a, this is a big deal for oh, me. Dude, we're, don't we're be going nervous. from a talent thing so it's like you know curver eh, you know whatever <laughs> And then Ferrario, we're, you know, we're going up, and yeah. now here's the apex, right? There you go. Oh, don't tell Curbs that Alex was above him. He, that would disturb Ooh, yeah. him. Yeah, That's I would see, yeah. you know, the, the the master and apprentice thing there, man. Like, I love the little bit of tension that you guys throw around in that studio, oh, or in, man. Uh, in the booth. I think it's so great. We 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 get bored sometimes. I mean, it gets it gets a little stale. So we got to kind of get that locker room vibe and going again we got to pick on each other and and alex seems to be the scapegoat lately but it, it turns it goes in waves sometimes curbs all over me and uh and sometimes i'm all over him how, how long did you know chris kerber before you guys started working together not at all the not first all. time i met him was when i you know so when the blues vacated that spot with kelly chase stepping down i got a call from andy strickland he said, hey, this is opportunity maybe for you to check out. I know you just retired. And he's like, here's Chris Kerber's number. If you're interested, call on the phone. We met over there at the Oyster House downtown and had some oysters. And, and that was the first time I've ever met him. I heard his voice, of course, sure. all growing up on the radio. Him and Kelly, uh, what, a, what a team they were. But the first time I ever sat down and talked to Chris Kerber was, was my interview. So did you not even have an inkling of this is what you wanted to do until Strickland got a hold of you and said, hey, may, or had you put the feelers out that you wanted to do something like this? Never. Never. I mean, I never even thought about this, uh, be truthful. And, you know, I did some radio stuff in Pittsburgh with Phil Bork. We did a, a radio show together every now and then at the casino downtown where I would be his guest. And we would, I think it was called like Along the Boards with Phil Bork or something along those lines. And so I enjoyed that. But uh, I went to school for journalism, of all things, too. So I kind of had a good education from uh, from a journalistic standpoint. And Boston was a great city to do all that stuff. But no, I had no experience. I never, ever would imagine I'd be in this position. I uh, never had any inkling to try. But I uh, just kind of got to meet Curbs. And, and the thought of getting back into hockey was cool because I, I missed the game so much. Right. And any player will tell you, uh, with hockey, uh, you never have to grow up. You, you can just be a kid forever. And yeah. that's what I loved about it. And that's when I got away from the game. I was like, oh my God, like what is this nine to five thing? Like like it's June. Why are people still working? I'm like, <laughs> don't people take summers off? Like what's I, I don't understand right. this. Well, you know what? Let me ask you this. And first of all, I want it's gonna sound like I'm blowing sunshine up your skirt, but I was a huge and still am a very, very big Kelly Chase fan. Yes, yeah, same. There was a there was a point in time when I would describe him as the next Jack Buck as far as if you have an event that you want a speaker at, yeah. somebody who can tell stories, make you laugh, make you cry, be serious, be not serious. Yeah. So your first game and, and I just got done telling you this Donnie I sat in my car literally with my arms folded and said all right win me over buddy right let's do this <laughs> yeah. and it took la- less than a half a period well and that's the thing is is there was 
I get, I love the radio call of sporting events. I, I always have. Jack Buck and Mike Shannon were huge influences on me mm-hmm. growing up. And so the beauty of telling the story on the radio is still very important to me. And I loved Kerber and Chase. Yeah. Like, loved it. And I was very much the same way. So what is this Vitali guy? Yeah, who's this guy? He well, thinks he can play some guy? Guy? Okay, so he played hockey. He's from St. Louis, so they gave him the job for that. And I listened. I went, oh, damn, that's oh, really man. good. And you guys are yeah. so, and that's what I'm so shocked to know, that you guys didn't have a relationship prior, like that you didn't know each other, because it sounds like you have known each other for a very long time when you're doing those games. No, I appreciate it. No, again, we, we never have, and we get off the rails so much. And we have a lot of just small personality quirks in common. Like, I like old music. I like old movies. He's obviously into the old movie scene. Uh his personality from a standpoint about talking about goofy things. We we get so off the rails during games, and, and I know sometimes we've probably got to hone it in, but I think our personality is just kind of, we have a little bit of that ADD in us where we mm-hmm. come on a thought and we'll just take it for a while, but Curbs is, is such a professional as far as he helps me reel it back in, or if he knows I'm going down a bad hole, he'll, he'll pull right. me back a little bit, because yeah, right. I, I have a tendency of doing that, but coming in for Kelly Chase was super, super intimidating. I, I remember imagine. Kelly's voice. I mean, it was insane. And what you said about him speaking around town he just has such a charisma he about really him you, you mentioned how you can make it laugh and cry all in the same sentence and uh, well, i'll be at dinners with kelly and and he's talking to me about something and you're right you're, you're you're in stitches you're laughing so hard and then a minute later you see him start to welt up like his mm-hmm. eyes get watery because he's talking about something very emotional and, and, and tough to him but he has that wide range and i think that's what's made him so good and, and what's made him such an ambassador here in st louis so for the people that we just assume that everybody knows who joe vitale is yeah we probably uh, should go to a backstory of yeah some kind, so maybe. st louis dude cbc grad and yeah. 04. 04, yeah. Uh, then you played. Is it was it the Junior Blue? You got you have a like a championship with the Junior Blues. Right? Junior Blues won yeah. a national uh, title there. It was a few state cups at uh, CBC for high school, and then I went off to juniors, and then college, and just a couple. And going. you get drafted by Pittsburgh. Yep, back in 05. Then you get traded to Arizona. Yep, played for Pittsburgh for six years, then Arizona for three. And then your, I'm going to ask you trivia about yourself. Yep, you okay. were traded to Detroit. Yeah. Do you know what player? You were traded for. I'll never forget it as long as I live. You know I'm, who? No. Oh yeah, Pavel Datsuk. Have you oh, heard of him? Hey, man. you ever heard of him? The big guy, <laughs> dude. That's amazing. The that's big crazy. guy. Crazy. Now I don't mean to bring up. So wait. So was that when Datsuk went back to Russia? So yeah. So what happened was it was July one. I think it was right around the draft, and I'm watching golf in my house here in St. Louis. And all of a sudden, I see on the ticker on the bottom NHL trade, and I knew, I knew there was trades kind of happening. And you're kind of paying attention, and then I see Arizona Coyotes, and starts to scroll. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh-oh. And I'm like forward. I'm like, oh, I know this guy. <laughs> and then I see Joe. And I'm like thinking, and like slowly, I'm like, it's okay, I don't know Joe. a lot of Joes. Yeah. And then it says Vitaly trade. I'm like, whoa. And I'm literally watching. It's all in slow motion. I'm like for who? And it said Joe Vitaly traded to Detroit. Wherever. I'm like watching the whole thing, and it said Pavel Datsuk. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like. Like, I know I'm dealing with a lot of post-concussion syndromes right now, and I've been on these painkillers for probably like a year, but this is this is just too wild. And my agent called me literally like 10 seconds later. Alain Waugh, my, my local agent Oh, here. what a great guy. One of the best. Oh, he's a great guy. He's a goalie for the Vipers back in the day, the yeah, roller hockey know. team. Yeah, yeah Ivy League guy, That super guy, smart. to this day, when I see him at, at Enterprise, we'll, we'll give a wave to he's each other. He's the best. Oh, great Slick guy. hair and all, Yeah, man. yeah. Al, Al was one of the best. Yeah. Smooth, but hey, Joe, it's Al. Yeah. Just, uh, you got traded. I go... For who? He goes, well, Pavel Datsuk. I'm like, how is this possible? (laughs) So you're right. You're right, Donnie. So he quits. He goes to Russia. So what happens when you quit, 
uh, and you move, uh, obviously the team doesn't need to pay you, but it still hurts against their cap. And he was making like $7 million at the time. And what happened in Arizona was Don Maloney, the, the GM there, we were under the cap floor at that point, and you get penalized if, if you're under the cap right. floor. So they needed like $8 million to get above that floor. So they absorbed the Datsuk contract in that trade so that Arizona didn't get penalized. They don't have to pay him a cent, obviously. It frees up Detroit. And I think the Arizona Coyotes were like, hey, we got this like schmuck who's on IR from concussion and we're paying him like a million bucks. You mind just picking up that contract uh, in good faith? And, and I know that you've been asked this question before, and I know you've told the story a million times, but for the people who don't know, talk about the fight that happened that gave you this concussion. Because as a broadcaster dealing with players now that are going through concussion, you can speak on this because you got first world experience. Yeah, it was it was, it was pretty incredible. So my second year in Arizona, October 2015, uh, season just started. You know, I was healthy scratch for a few games there, which you know any player will tell you is just not a fun place to be. And I remember watching the games and knowing just when I get my opportunity, I just want to go. And so I get out there, we're playing the Boston Bruins, and I remember that moment. I just, you know, for a player, it's like so much of your pride is on the line when you finally get back in the lineup. If you want to prove something to yourself, obviously your coach, your teammates, your family, you want to stay here, you want to belong here. I was 29 at the time, and that's old in hockey. And when, mm-hmm. I know for my agent was kind of telling me some rumblings that, hey, they may trade you, they may send you down. I mean, there's a lot of this stuff going on in my mind, and I'm thinking, I got three kids. I don't want to move across the country playing the minors, and my wife and I are going to be together. I mean, all this stuff goes through a player's mind. Playing the game, Boston Bruins, Kevin Miller uh, goes after Oliver ekman Larson, who was our captain at the time, uh, Swedish defenseman, all-star. And I remember just thinking, like, here's my opportunity. I, I asked Char to fight early in the game. I asked McQuaid to fight early in the game. I mean, I was literally like a cage line. I would have fought anyone that night um, just to get back in the rhythm of things and prove to my coach that I, I belong here. Uh, those guys didn't ask to fight me. Or they said no way. They kind of laughed at me, which I understand. The Char's uh, got no reason to fight you. No, no reason to yeah. fight me. And, and again, uh, but then Kevin Miller, uh, kind of cheap shots. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson. I step in. We just tangle and we just go. I remember my 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 grip was terrible on him because I grabbed him right by the shoulder and the jersey, and he his jersey splits. So right from under his chin, it splits by like six inches down to his chest, almost oh like his pec bone. And I have no grip. And so we start swinging. I. I clean him up a couple times at the beginning, a couple hard rights, but then I really have nothing I'm holding on to, and he's got me so good. And he pulls me in and throws at the same time two punches right at the end. It was pop, pop. And uh, I knew right away something was wrong. I mean, my ears just blew up like a bomb. Um, what happened was my face went initially really numb. I'm going to the penalty box. I would not go down. And I thought my contact was loose, like in my left eye. Mm-hmm. So I go to, like, fix it. And I literally like feel the top of my eyeball. So my orbital oh. floor, my orbital floor collapsed. My eye had dropped. My temple um, fractured, and then he, he like basically shattered my jaw on the second punch. So my whole face is just blown up. I'm in the penalty box, and I remember Oliver Ekman Larson was in there with me, and he's looking at me, and he knew right away like, "Are you okay?" And I wasn't responding. And of course, he told he tells the timekeeper what's going on. Plays going on, and they blow the horn, and all the fans and the players and coach are like, "What's going on?" And they basically Oliver helps me across the ice, and I just collapsed in the hallway, and that was that was. I didn't know you collapsed. Yeah, no, I mean I collapsed in the sense that I just kind of grabbed my trainer, and he just dragged me to the room, and I just completely broke out like in tears. Like I just knew, I knew, I knew at that point something was severely wrong. I've never been hurt like that before. Right. But um, talk about a recovery, man. It was it was insane. It was uh, concussions. It was dealing with broken bones in my face. Uh, I was on a lot of painkillers because a lot of opioids because of the pain management of that. And then, you know, that was another struggle in itself, getting off of those opioids because 
uh, of all the injuries because then you start to think, uh, now my head hurts. Is it because my injuries? Because my concussion? What am I doing? And then I wasn't sleeping good. I mean, uh, meanwhile, we just had our third baby. We're in Arizona. My wife, literally, who saved my life, I mean, she did everything. And uh, it was a one and a half year, just complete valley in my life. Do you still have a lot of symptoms from it or not? You know, I wear these these glasses because the the biggest thing now why I really couldn't go back to play hockey is I have an eye injury similar to what Al McGinnis, you know, Al McGinnis, I think took a stick or a puck to the eye. Uh, my thing's the same thing. I have a little bit of a uh, – my eyes don't aren't synced up. So my left eye, when it healed, it healed a little bit lower than my right. So your eyes want to see equal, and, and mine, of course, don't. So now I have these special lenses and these prisms in there to kind of bring my left eye vision up a little bit so I don't get headaches and I don't get uh, nauseated when I'm watching things. Question. You're a 10-year-old kid, mm-hmm. and you're, what, what, what age did you start playing hockey? Uh, I think I was six. Okay, you're a six-year-old kid. You've been playing for a year, and now you're seven. And somebody comes from the future and says, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be a professional hockey player. Yeah. You get to play with the Pittsburgh freaking Penguins, yeah. but here's how your career is going to end. You do it anyway. Bingo, man. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, in some ways it's kind of it's kind of cool. I mean, now I can say this, but going out like blades of glory like I did, you know, fighting, you know, obviously it's, there's, there's no easy way to retire. There's no easy way. I mean, players who uh, either get hurt, uh, maybe they don't make a team, they get up and down from the minors, they go to Europe, anyone will tell you. Eventually you have to take a big piece of humble pie and you will get that and it does hurt no matter how you leave the game i left it fighting you know what i wouldn't yeah. regret it for a second I'm going after protecting a teammate kevin miller actually we we've kept in great contact since he's a terrific dude unbelievably um connected uh well 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 respected and liked in his team in boston and and we we keep in touch he's a he's a solid guy and and i think it was good for him because he was dealing with a lot of i mean you think of me all the time but sometimes it's when you hurt someone like that, I mean, there's there's yeah. some repercussions for players. Sure. So yeah. he had a lot of healing to get through as well. Yeah. So he, he's going, hey, I ended Joey's career. Yeah, right? exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. And, and you're certainly not, you know, looking to do that. You're just trying to play the game. You're yeah. just trying to trying to yeah. be the best guy that you can. Do you do you kind of see this? There's obviously way more attention now to CTE and and to these mm-hmm. kinds of injuries than beforehand. Do you feel like sort of that stigma is going away for players that they're able to step out and go, hey? I'm not right. Yeah. I need to get looked at. Or do you think that that mentality is still kind of dominating? Like, I don't want them to know. I got to get back and in I'm there. I don't want to listen. I'm indestructible. All that. Some of that, or even all the, the I don't want to lose my gig. Mm. I got this guy behind me. That sort of thing. Like, because you, there's got to be a little bit of both, I would assume. Well, Joey's story was hey, I finally made it back on the ice. I'm going to stay here. Right. And that's what caused the problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. There is, I mean, to me, uh, Hockey players will always have that kind of warrior survival mindset where they don't care what they need to do, but they will stay out there. I don't think we think of the long-term repercussions of the actions that are in front of us. We look at this hockey game as a very short window in our life, and we are in our prime from 20 to 26 if you're lucky. And if you make it to that level, you're even luckier. And then when you get there – you don't want to leave. It's like it's like going to the nicest steakhouse and getting the nicest piece of meat, and then getting sent down, and then going to Pizza Hut for the. I mean, going up and down from the minors is, is no joke. And when you get to the NHL, you want to stay in the NHL. Yeah. Players will go through walls. Players will will fight. They will do things so uncharacteristic of themselves, and they look back over their years after and think, "What the heck was I doing? Why didn't I step up and say something?" I had so many times. Where I thought, why did I play in that game? Like I clearly wasn't right. I'll never forget when um, uh, Wisniewski, I fought him at Columbus, and this guy boxes in the summer. He punched me so hard in my nose, it just split my nose wide open. 
And I remember just so being so foggy uh, the next day, next two days. And I remember how on edge I was for weeks after. I was actually in my coach's office a week after this, and we were kind of breaking down film. And I remember having so much anxiety as he was critiquing one of my plays, and I felt my heart just raise. I knew something was not right with me, and I literally threatened to crawl over the, the desk and punch out my coach. And I said it to him. I'm not going to say the coach's name, but I remember him showing. I go, if you show me that clip one more time, I'm going to sucker punch you in the face. And he goes, you're going to sucker punch me in the face? Whoa. This is a coach in the National Hockey League. Wow. I knew something like, yeah. I, I knew I was so on edge all the time, and I wasn't clearly right in the head. And then that's when you start. And then obviously when the painkillers, and which back in the day, 20 years ago, um, trainers would just hand out like candy. I mean, it's just yeah. the way it was. Yeah. Now that's a lot more, a lot more sanctioned than that, which is good. But uh, it was—it's a scary world, and I don't know if that really quite answered your question. Oh but, my gosh! Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you—you yeah. you do anything, and, and then when you have a family and kids, you want to stay there. You got to make money. You got to su- support them and provide for them. And and again, your window is small, and you play injured, you play through everything. I I um I was thinking about this the other day when I was watching the Blues game. I miss a good fight. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I missed that the game being as physical as it was when I kind of fell in love with the game. But at the same time, I feel guilty. Because I think about the guy yeah. that's getting pummeled in his skull for my entertainment. Right. What do you think about where fighting is in the NHL right mm-hmm. now? Do you want to see it gone? Do you wish there was more? You know what I mean? What no, I hear think? you. No, I, you know it's, it's scary to think that you know. Obviously, boxing is very violent. Um, UFC is very violent. But you think about their protection, like their hands, and they have padding on the gloves. Uh, hockey is just literally knuckles to knuckles. I can't express, and I've been hit by boxing gloves. I've been hit with UFC gloves. Getting hit with a knuckle is so much worse, and it's just so much more intense. And here we are watching these players literally trade knuckles at their skulls. And uh, I know with all the head injuries and how the league is hammering down with uh, high hits and all this stuff, at some point uh, I think hockey will eventually be out of the game. But I love it still. I, I really think it's important for the game. Do I like the stage stuff? I, I, I've never liked the stage stuff, and I don't like the stage stuff. And I'm, I'm with Paul Bissonette and Cam Jansen last night. We're here having dinner in Louis as all the Spit and Chickless guys are in town. And they're talking about the same thing. I mean, these are two stage fighters back in their day, and they both agreed that the stage stuff maybe doesn't have a place in the game anymore. Wait, wait, what do you mean by stage? Are you stage, talking about, like, hey, I'm going out there just to fight you? Remember, like, the old days, Kelly Chase? He'd come on the ice, and, you know, you'd see um, Bob Probert. They're playing the Detroit Red Wings. It's the first shift, and you just knew. Just- Drop. This yeah. is my role. Okay, yeah. We're gonna fight. This so is, it wasn't. This, this a, is what I do. It wasn't a fight because you just hit that guy and here we go. Exactly. It was, I'm going out there to do that. Yeah, and like go back to what Vince Dunn did to Jacob Truba for the New York Rangers about three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. At the end of that game, slash, slash, whack, whack, cross, emotional, boom, they go. To me, that's that passionate, responsive fighting. I think hockey could still have that. I like that. I really appreciate that. I think it could help with momentum swings in the game. And I think if two players need to just hash it out like brothers, then just let them beat the crap out of each other yeah. for a little bit. But it's that stage stuff. It's those big heavyweights that you don't really see a lot in the game anymore. I think the league has done a great job uh, as far as kind of like getting rid of that a lot. And sure. you just don't see a lot of stage fights anymore. because that And that's what a lot of the anxiety for these fighters came from. Sleeping the night before knowing that I'm, we're playing the Vegas Golden Knights and Ryan Reeves is going to be in the lineup and he's going to ask me to fight in first shift. I mean, that that was scary stuff. And I think fighters uh, still go through a lot because of the those moments of sleeping. And to your point, Ice Guardians, <laughs> what an amazing movie. And, oh, and for anybody great? who knows of the movie but hasn't seen it, it's not two hours of montages of people beating the crap out of each other. Yeah. It's the psychology, it's the mental behind 
that's what you know you're going to do that night. It's, and it's scary, man. I'm telling you. And I've, I've cheap-shotted players throughout my career, and I'll never forget hitting Daniel Briere and Grossman when Pitt and Philly were having these like huge, great rivalries back in the early 2000s. I knocked both those players out, and this was like the last regular season game before playoffs. And we played Philly in that first round. And I remember Jody Shelley. Jody Shelley's, you know, in town during the alumni and the All-Star festivities. Now he's a broadcaster for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Jody Shelley, Zach Ronaldo. I mean, I remember trying to fall asleep that night. And I just remember my heart would not stop. And this is what these fighters did every single night. I mean, imagine, like, going to school and knowing the bully, you and your bully are going to have a fight. I mean, that's one thing. But these fighters, I mean, when you go on the stage in the NHL, you're doing it in front of 18,000 people. Yeah. You're fighting in front of millions of people watching. Your family's watching. I mean, and now with YouTube, uh, if you get your ass kicked, I mean, it's 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 real deal, emotional, heavy-weighted stuff on your brain all the time. And this is why these guys never slept. I don't know how the fighters like Kelly Chase, Tony Twist, I don't know how they did it. it it's it's When we hear athletes talk like this, mm-hmm. It, when I hear people say things like, well, he makes X amount of dollars a year. He should right. just be yeah. able to, to get up and – they're frigging people too, right. goddamn right. it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I, don't think that, I don't think that we always have that part as sports fans locked in. I think yeah. most of – I think the, the normal ones of us do, but I think some people just don't – You know, they think that the fact that you're making a million dollars a year is supposed to make you sleep okay, even though you know in a 300-pound yeah. beast is what he did. It still hurts when you, you get your orbital bone knocked <laughs> no out. No kidding, man. You know what I'm saying? And no you're gonna, kidding. And like you said, man, it, it, there is years and years and years, years of repercussions for what you did just to prepare – to be a hockey player. Yeah, it's it is crazy. And you know, I'm I'm still kind of recovering I think from a lot of the stuff from my body. But you know what, you're right. It's uh, th- those fighters and what they did, uh the amount of respect. But that's why you know, you see Kelly Chase around town and he's got this amazing presence. I mean, what he had to go through on a daily basis when he was playing the National Hockey League. I mean, if that just doesn't build the most character out of you, I, I, I just don't know what does. I mean, the fearlessness, the courage he had to play with night in and night out, just getting his brains knocked in. And he wasn't the biggest guy. He wasn't no. the biggest fighter in the league, but he, he was a pit bull. not turn anything down He was a either. pit bull, though, man. Yeah. yeah, and it was pretty incredible. Tony Twist the same way. And But that's why these guys just have so much gumption when you talk to them. Yeah. Well, what are, I mean, because back in the day, man, those dudes would fight every game, right? Every game. I mean, and they, it would game. be every game that they would fight. Yeah, every game. Or multiple times a game. Couldn't even imagine. Yeah. Wasn't Twist's mom like a boxer or something like that Gee, too? I remember that. I, I thought. I thought I read that she that was a boxer sense. or that something like that. Uh, just just to watch the old video of Twist just throwing haymaker after haymaker. <laughs> it's I unbelievable. Mean, I watched one the other day, which is weird because I'm not that guy. And it was like 18 punches. Yeah. Before the guy finally fell down, dude. So ridiculous. What I remember watching Cam when he first got here for us, and I'm like. This dude just keeps going yeah. and going Waving and off the going. Yes, and I, was, I yeah. just couldn't even believe it. Okay, so I want to change up the topic just right quick. Okay. Three guys from St. Louis, all right, born and raised Blues fans. We are at a point in the existence of this franchise where we have gotten the Winter Classic, won the Stanley Cup, the All-Star Game is here for the next four days. I feel like I just keep having pinch me moment after pinch me moment with as Blues fans. Yeah. You you see Tarasenko get injured in the first month of the season. Ah, that's okay. That's all right. We'll still whoop ass until yeah. the All Star game. No big deal. Do you, do you guys have that too a little bit? Like, do you still can be like, 
man, I can't believe that this is happening. I just want to enjoy every single freaking second. Well, before we get to the guy that watches every single game, yeah. I will say, and the same thing I said to Kerber and the same thing I said to Alex, was that I don't fear a 2 nothing deficit in the first period anymore. Yeah. I don't fear a 2 uh, you know, nothing deficit halfway through the second period anymore because I know they can do this. A lot of that has to do with the scoring, but to me, it's always been about the goalie with the St. Louis Blues. It's always been we're a goalie away. It's always the playoffs are made for the team that has a goalie that can steal a game for you. And now we have at least one, if not two. Oh, we do. And I remember like you were saying, I remember the emotion. And, and I'm only 34 years old, so I haven't even experienced the entire time in this franchise of all the letdowns. But I'll never forget when Steve Eiserman scored that goal in Game 7 on John Casey from the blue line. And I remember crying to my mom and dad's room. I think I was like 11 years old at the time. I remember I was, just I was sitting at a bar legally. Great. <laughs> you were 11. I was yeah. sitting in what is now Bobby's place, as a matter of oh, fact, down in Valley yeah. Park. Yeah. Right on, right yeah. on. Yeah. But balling. Yeah, I was balling. I probably was too. <laughs> but the weight, I think the weight uh, on our shoulders of just disappointment after disappointment, a goalie away, as you just mentioned there. And finally, we're there. We got it. The pieces are together. We're not, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And right now, we just don't have any weak links. We got the coach. We got the goal. To me, those are the two most important things for this team right now. But then you got the identity and the makeup of the players. And I'm with Wayne Gretzky the other day, and some kid asked him, who's your favorite player on this Blues team? Who brings you to the edge of your seat? And this is the greatest hockey player of all time. And he said, Braden Shen. And he said, because Braden Shen works, he's a worker, he plays defense, and to get back to my point of coaching goaltender and the identity and the characteristics of this team, when you have Braden Shen and Ryan O'Reilly down the middle, that's the strength of your forwards. And these are two guys that are committed to playing a 200-foot game. And when you have that, you're going to have good teams. And I think that every piece right now for the St. Louis puzzle is in place. You mentioned Vladimir Tarasenko. When he, we get him back, we're going to even rise to a whole new level. Sammy Blaze on, on the bench, kind of waiting around. Probably another two, two, three weeks for Sammy Blaze to come back. We have bodies coming back. Right now we're healthy. We're getting the goaltending. To your original point, this is the best time, I think, in the franchise history to be a Blues fan. It just, to me, does not get any better than this. I, I can't imagine it getting any better than this. And by saying that, I should put an asterisk there because there's really nothing stopping them from Thank making you. a couple. Yeah, Thank you, because man. there's a window here, there isn't is. there? Oh, there three, is four, a window. five-year window at least. Yeah, and Tarasenko, do you have any? I know they don't. I know Vladimir doesn't call you up and say, here's where I am, <laughs> yeah. but uh, as far as recovery, but is there? have you heard anything? The, the only thing I will say is he was skating. My, my son had a tournament out in Centene this past week. He was on the ice with Sammy Blay, so he's moving his feet. He's back out there. Now, he wasn't shooting a lot of pucks. He was actually yeah. using his one hand a lot. Um, so to me, he's still a ways away. But, you know, the good news is we are in mid-January. We still have two, two and a half months before playoffs. Uh, can he make a realistic comeback? I, th I think so. Uh, I don't know the extent of his shoulder injury. I don't have any more details than that. I do know that this is your franchise sniper, and the Blues are going to be very smart about this, and they're going to use him only if they absolutely need to, and he is close to being 100% healthy. He's a player not like me, not like Cam. If we're 60%, we're going to say we're fine. Vladimir Tarasenko is a franchise guy. Uh, he was a machine. He was tough as nails throughout the playoffs last year. They want him to be that, and they don't want any more setbacks because you're looking at the long term of number 91. I think if you uh, maybe have a hard time loving this team, which I don't understand, and we can't be friends. Yeah, right. Yeah, watch, yeah. If you follow me on any social media and yeah. you don't like the Blues, unfriend me. <laughs> but when the whole thing against the Rangers, when the Blues together are standing at yeah. center ice. Watching those bastards go back to the bench, uh -huh. I wanted to headbutt my TV. Yeah. Like I, I, was just, I was just like, I am. So, I was so into you guys beforehand, but that that just team thing, like, 
you're going to do that kind of shit? Yeah, well, then right. you're going to deal with all of us and not just one of us. And if you remember a few years ago, there were would be times where you would feel like somebody would take a run at a blues player and we would complain like, man, there was no answer back for that. Right. Well, now, God damn it, there's answer back. Well, and it's amazing, man. Yeah, and it's amazing you say that because where that comes from, of the team watching the New York Rangers leave the bench, people are like, what a team. Boy, they're together. To me, that starts for this team on the road in the relationships with each other outside of hockey. This is a very tight group. There's, I've been on teams where it's been very clicky. Maybe the, the Europeans go off one way for dinners, and the Americans, there's the young guys, there's the old guys. Everyone is lumped together. And credit to Alexander Steen and these leaders like Ryan O'Reilly who just bring everyone together. They're like a family. They're very close. We went to Western Canada, I think, in November. We had a three-game swing all through Western Canada. We went from Minnesota to Vancouver. Because of the time change, I think it was daylight savings time, we took off at 11 o'clock at night in Minnesota. We landed in Vancouver at 11 o'clock because of the time. We get to the hotel, and all the players um, get out of the bus, and I think one of the leaders, I think it was Alexander Steen, told the bus driver, hang on, we'll be right back. All the players go up to the room, the old bag chuck, they open the door, they chuck their bags in, and they go right back to the bus. And they <laughs> partied hard. I mean, this is a group that parties together, drinks together, they hang out together, meals together. Um, if you care for each other, and this is something that is an intangible thing that I've seen so much in the league if you care for each other, you like each other, if you have a tight group, if you do all those things, you're going to fight for each other. And I think that come playoff time, come come third period where you're down by two goals, those are those moments where if you care about each other, that's where you look down the bench, look down this way, look down that way. I got him. He's got me. Let's go do this, boys. And this is why they just keep coming back every time because they're just such great guys and they get along so well. I heard they even swipe, swap wives too, don't they? <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I, I, I probably should get in on this one. I, I want to body check something right now. I'm, like, like, I'm, just, dude, I'm just so pumped up. It's just so, uh, you know, like I said, it's just amazing. Also, too, here's just a quick question on the way out. So, so... You know, we have had Jamie Rivers talk about this the, the character of Alex Steen. Mm -hmm. We've had Chris Kerber talk about that. We've heard Alex Ferrario talk about that. We have Joey talk about that. Where did the narrative come from that that dude was not a team player? I'll tell you, I I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when, when it was, and at least in my brain, when it was and when it switched. When he was a forward last year, line one, line two, line three, whatever line he was on, the dude was ranked like last statistically with forwards. Mm -hmm. Dude makes a lot of money. Right. Genius puts him on the fourth line and says, go be the best fourth, best fourth liner mm -hmm. you can be. And he took his pride and went, yeah, I'm going to go do that. And he kicked ass on that fourth line. But what I'm saying is, absolutely, I agree. But what I'm saying is, is where did the narrative come before that about Alex? Because by all to, accounts... To me, it's just that he was making a lot of money and not doing it. And anything. maybe the performance weren't there yeah. in the numbers. I mean, right I on. was the guy that would sit on the race show and say, hey, man, when are we going to start you know, charging him for ice time? Well, and, you and know, on that the, sort of thing. And you guys can make fun of me, but I remember watching that Road to the Winter Classic classic show mm -hmm. when Hitch was still here and there was a scene at the end of that where they're at Bush they're skating off the ice and Hitch pats every player except Alex Steen and in my head in my whatever I'm like oop oop there's the rift da 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 oh, there's no. the thing he, he had stare or he had uh, what are those called back there hemorrhoids he oh, had hemorrhoids oh, oh, they didn't touch him yeah. in the butt yeah. it's just amazing though how one little thing man as a fan can yeah, just blow yeah. up and, into uh, whatever this is in your and head here's another thing too remember Jamie uh, talked me off of a roof about Alex uh, about Petrangelo yeah. oh this dude's soft he's not a coach and he went Hold on a second. Sit down, Jeff. Here's the thing. Da, 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 da. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. From out here, you don't see he's not David Backus. Right. He's not yelling and screaming. Yeah. But Rivers said he t he will talk to people just quietly. Yeah, no, I think that you look at 
how much Alexander Steen makes, and I would almost make the argument, I think you sh- he is as valuable, I think you could actually double his salary. And I think that is how valuable he is to this team. He's old school. I mean, he grew up with the Kika Chucks of the world. He tips trainers heavily. He just he gave me a bottle of wine uh, two weeks ago, a huge bottle of wine. He said, hey, just want to pre- appreciate what all you do. I mean, the care that he puts forward uh, to people around him, he's that old school mentality, the Doug Waite, the Al McGinnises, the Brett Halls, the Chris yeah. Pronger. He's got that. You look at a player like Robert Thomas, Robert Thomas is going to be an elite player one day. I mean, he's already a stud. He's going to get even better and better and better. Tyler Bozak, Alexander Steen, these two veterans who are playing with him right now, I cannot even describe to you the conversations that these two older guys have with Robert Thomas. The grooming process, and to me this comes back to why I think he deserves more money. I mean, he's a he's a player, he's a fourth liner. What you said was bang on about how he accepted his role on the fourth line, but he's also a, men- he's a mentor. He's a mentor to all these young kids, and you cannot put a price tag on that. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's a good time to be a Blues fan. Well, okay. One one last thing because I thought of it when you mentioned I'll his name. This out yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh <laughs> that's no, that's fine. But but and this is not like a super highway to end this, unfortunately, talking about somebody that I respect and liked a lot as a blue. Uh, but over the course of the last week, uh David Backus mm-hmm. uh sent for assignment mm-hmm. in, in Boston. Yeah. Um w- at this point in in his career. What happens with 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 our number forty two? I I still love that guy. Yeah. I, he's still one of my favorite blues of all time. I still think one of the like a cruel bit of world irony was that us having to beat him of all ex blues right. in the finals last yeah. year. But I just really want it to end. However, David Backus wants it to end. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's never. It's always going to be sour for him. If I could give him any advice, it's never going to be easy. And uh, I played with Sidney Crosby for four years. And Sidney, no, Sidney played with you. Well, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I taught him a lot. <laughs> If you asked him, who do you hate playing against the most, he would always say David Backus. Wow. He goes, I hate that freaking number 42. He'd always say that because David Backus was a hard guy. And for reasons why you love him, this is why the Blues fans loved him. Unfortunately for David, um, he goes to Boston, and it was the beginning of the end. Yeah. And in some ways, I know it sounds bad, but you really got to credit Doug Armstrong with this one. A lot of people were like, why do you let David Backus go? Doug Armstrong is so keen, not to flip this in a different direction, but he is so good at knowing when to let contracts go. Yeah. He has never had to buy out anyone in his whole tenure here as a St. Louis that's amazing. That is, it's insane. That's amazing. He yeah. knows when to let people go. And unfortunately, I think he saw that the end coming for David Backus uh, didn't quite work out for the way he wanted it in Boston. I don't know if we will see him back in Boston. I think he's got maybe one more year after this year left on the contract, making a lot of money, too. Right. And you, you compare that to what Alexander Steen's doing here and how much he, value he brings to St. Louis versus a guy making nearly the same money as David Backus in Boston. It's 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 pretty incredible. Though. I I wish we could treat it like football can treat it. Uh, years ago, that uh, the center Saturday came out in an All Star game and, and hiked one more time to Manning, and then went on. <laughs> I wish in hockey yeah. he could come back and sign a sign a day contract with the Blues yeah. and do a shift and skate off into the Suns. I think that'd be so bad. But I think a lot of us, even as Blues fans, even as David Backus fans, saw the money that Boston gave him and were like. Oof. Oh yeah, you have them. Go right like, ahead. I'm sorry, but I, I mean financially you know and fiscally responsible, man. Right. You got to be X amount of years from now. He'll come back to uh, to the Enterprise Center. There'll be a video montage. He'll come out and drop a puck or something, and everybody will love him. And I bet you he moves back here. Yeah, I bet. Uh, I think he'll be a coach one day. Yeah, I agree. I think hundred percent personality. He's he's. Um, I think he's kind of got that discipline about him. He he was a he was a captain that was. Uh, he, I think he walked that line well. I never played with him from what I've heard though. He walked the line well of understanding the players and being buddy buddies with players, but also understanding that you got to have a relationship with your coach and, and communicate that and be that middleman between them all. But I think I think at times maybe he leaned on the side of the coach a little bit, which probably disturbed some of the players at times, at least this is from what I've heard. 
But uh, to me, I think he would make a terrific coach. I, I agree. And the th- biggest thing I got out of this conversation is you better tell Shen that Gretzky thinks he's an amazing guy. <laughs> I yeah. cannot wait. Oh, my no God. Braden better yeah. owe me dinner at least yeah. Yeah. for this compliment. Hey, so I'm talking to Gretzky. <laughs> Guess who his favorite blue is? Oh, <laughs> uh, man. You should record that. Uh, I know. You I'll know. say it in front of Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> this has been an absolutely great time, Joey. Can we get you back at some point or the other to Anytime. do this again? You just guys right. need to ask. I've been waiting around all year, and finally about, I get uh, a text. One o'clock today? <laughs> oh, I'm busy. I'm busy today, actually. <laughs> I got the thing. I got the thing. Dude, I got the do. best, man. Thank you so much, man. That's uh, Joey Donnie, Vitale from uh, the St. Louis Blues uh, radio broadcast, the 101 ESPN. Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango from 1057 The Point. Another episode of uh, the Last Minute Blues podcast is in the books. Let's go, Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.